Welcome to Product Leaders Podcast, a podcast by FireArt. We are the defenders of usability, champions of product consistency, and the emissaries of enjoyable human technology interactions. Don't play the game, listen to the podcast, where we share conversations in product leadership to help empower you to produce great digital products for your customers. Hey everyone, it's Tolik, your Product Leaders Podcast co-host. Today, we will be talking with Maxim Kalinovich, Senior Product Manager with 10 years of experience in ease texting about adoption of continuous discovery mindset in product teams. Continuous discovery can result in happier customers, sharper priority lists, and a better product market fit. I think this hot topic could be available for both early stage and mature businesses. So stay tuned and listen to this episode. Hey Max, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, very good. I'm very excited to talk about this kind of framework. I think it would be very valuable. But for the beginning, just for a little warm-up, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background and your current position. Well, my background is 10 years in product management. and I've been working for several companies, both Ukrainian companies and US-based companies. And now I'm working at Easy Texting, which is a one of the top uh, SMS platforms in US with audience of US and Canada. My journey to the product management started, as I mentioned, 10 years ago or even more than that. And I started uh, working for Together Networks, which is a Ukrainian dating company. My responsibilities were building landing pages and registration funnels for the dating sites we were building here. And then I worked on a startup, which was a fitness startup, which allowed users to have fitness classes online with live trainer. That was before the pandemic. So it was one of a kind business where you could have like a fitness classes. Then, of course, after pandemic began, there were a lot of competitors in the same niche. So I moved to Easy Texting then, and I'm working here almost for five years already. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a pretty long track record. I mean, you're working in one company at five years, and right now we see in the market that people usually switching, jumping from one company to another. Maybe you can tell me what kind of thing in the company makes you staying actually for five years already? Yeah, that's a good question, by the way, because the reasons why I stay at Easy Texting, for example, is because the atmosphere here and, you know, the behavior of those who work here and attitude towards each other. That's, I think, the most important thing which dictates how employees are eager to stay or eager to leave the company. So Mm -hmm. their health atmosphere is the most important thing. Another thing is the ability to do what I want to do here, meaning some level of freedom I have here and a level of power which I have over the product and ability to change the product and to define what I'm going to do like next quarter, which gives me a better understanding that I'm valuable here and I can literally express myself better. Mm-hmm. And what is the ratio in your company between you know product people, engineers, how the structure itself looks like in your company, how you're working on the features, how you're working on new releases? Sure. So we have a few product managers. We have a product team of five people. I'm the only one who is in Kyiv right now. And others are in the US. 
and that's how it historically happened. And being here in Kyiv uh, together with the development team, which is also based in Kyiv, is pretty much valuable for me and for the team because I'm here together with them in the same time zone. So for me, it's a really good experience. But in terms of the processes, as you asked, we have a, a pretty much solid process. As I've been working here for five years, it changed a lot, of course. I must say that we have went through the transformation, a major transformation from the so-called feature factory approach to more uh, kind of goal-oriented approach and uh, outcome-based approach. And uh, that's a good sign of involvement. That's a good direction of how companies should evolve. Because, you know, when I came here four and a half years ago, it was a company where top-down approach was dominating, meaning the leadership was just defining what features to build while the development team just did those features, build those, and then not all of them were successful as a result. Mm -hmm. And actually, there were a lot of things that didn't bring value to the users. While we gradually transformed into this user-centered approach and outcome-centered approach, where instead of shipping features, we are focused on objectives and outcomes for the users and for the company. And the interesting part here is that these outcomes are both win-win situation when you're benefiting the user, and this brings you back some benefits for the company. And that's kind of a vision that I convey and I bring with myself everywhere I go and everywhere I talk about product management. It's important to focus on the user needs first. I can only imagine how many things you went through in a five years from companies that just delivering features to user-oriented company. And I think like for the whole podcast, we will be talking about this type of transformation because I think like most of the companies right now, they're still in this process of the transformation and basically your story can maybe help others to learn on your mistakes, learn on your experience, and they can probably do better digital transformation. But before we jump into your story, for those who are unfamiliar, maybe you can tell us what is a discovery mindset. All right. So discovery mindset is based on the principles of learning the reality and discovering the reality. So from my understanding and my concept of product manager is a person who first learns about the world around. So before you even ideate on features, what to build, what to copy from competitors, you first need to base those ideas, feature ideas, your company or you have yourself, they should be based on the reality of the world and of your users. In terms of the in scopes of product management, the product each of us is working on, the reality is user needs mostly. And for us, it was a process of going into the fields and talking to the users and discovering the problems they have, discovering the needs they have, and making sure we prioritize those needs and understand them as much as we can, right? Because the better we understand the needs of the users, 
the better we can figure mm. out how we can help them. Mm. And I must say that this transformation is basically transformation from output to outcomes, right? It's all around where you start with, right? So you don't start with having a list of features or, you know, gathering together as a product team and saying, okay, let's figure out what we want to build next. Let's build this shiny thing. Let's build that shiny thing. Okay, which shiny thing is, looks more better to us? Let's use some rice scoring to figure out what do we like, right? The most important part is also as a product manager, it's not about you actually at all, right? So we are not trying to be a better version of ourselves in terms of what does my creativity look like, right? Like I can be even more creative. I can be better at guessing what we should do. It's more about stepping away a little bit from yourself, from your ego, and really asking the questions like, what are our users? Who are they? What is our segment? Do we have a correct segment? Do we have a correct jobs we are focusing on, et cetera, et cetera. And then just talk to users and make sure you just observe that information you're taking from them and as it is, right? Don't interpret it too much mm-hmm. and uh, have a bunch of information. The more you have, the better, of course. You don't shouldn't be obsessed with that, but you should make sure you, you have enough then to base your ideas on. And most of the times I notice that founders, when they are in the early stage, they are kind of solving their problems. But once product becomes developed more and more, then it's, uh, you know, stop being about them, but more about the users. And especially in the beginning, once company already get used to the process that they need to make shiny features, it's quite hard to talk to the whole organization, pitch them and convince them to go from one approach to another. So my next question would be how to cultivate these things through the organization, through different departments, different managers or C-level managers, through what kind of steps you went through before in this texting? Yeah. So it's a kind of a task for a product leader, for CPO, right? Or for any C-level executive out there. It's very good if like at least one of them has this mindset so they can expand it on others but also in terms of if you are not a leader for example if you're just like a product manager like a mid-level manager you also i encourage you to also try to teach others about your approach and in terms of educating the company i would say like doing some workshops work so at easy texting i did a couple of presentations earlier in my career here about jobs to be done framework, about continuous discovery framework, just basically educating what I learned previously by visiting courses and reading books and going through some trainings and coachings. And that helps other people in the company like really think about that and understand that. And also when you're trying to educate others, you should be an example to others. Meaning you should be the one who just adopts this new process. Don't wait for your leaders to say to you that, okay, let's everybody start OKR process, for example. Start trying to do OKRs for your squad or your team, right? And then everybody else will take a look at that and and try to adopt that as well. 
And how it was looks like in the beginning of your transformation journey in his texting? What was the point when you, as an organization, decided to transform to user-centric organization? And how first years looks like? So for us, as I already mentioned, we started with a top-down approach, with a building features, gathering some ideas all around the company from people in different departments, asking like, hey, what do you want to do? Like, what, what do you like to be done? And then we were gathering those list of those ideas and trying to prioritize it using some kind of a rice scoring. And then we chose like a couple of top five or how much we believe would fit into the next month or next quarter. And we're just executing on those features and building them like, you know, like in a waterfall manner. And then it took some time and then we could get a feedback from the product, from the users only after some time when we actually launched this feature. That was a reality initially, but then I started in my area of work because I have a dedicated team here of developers. Uh, in my area of expertise, of product I was working with, I started really reaching out to customer support team for the information about the users. What are the list of all the user complaints, needs, categorized by categories, like billing problems with billing, problems with sending messages and other like kind of categories. And in those categories, I just like a, like a summary of most of the problems that our users having and started focusing on those problems and choosing the problems for the for the quarter, not the solutions, right? Not the ideas, not the feature list. It will be a problem list. And starting from there, I kind of also in parallel, I read a very great book by Teresa Torres, which is called Continuous Product Discovery Habits. And this is uh, really a book which changed my mindset a lot and helped me understand that, you know, we should really focus on user even more than that, right? Even more than the list of issues they have. It should be focusing on them even before they have the issues, even before they have used the product, you know, not after they complain to the customer team, but also after they start existing in our platform. And maybe you can touch by the part like on how you do that, how you're identifying this opportunity part to see the problem or prevent some problems or, you know, what kind of actions you do. Are you using like some type of research methods or you're just talking with users? And can you talk a little bit around that? Yeah, so in order to understand the opportunities, the method is to, first of all, there is a whole ocean of opportunities actually, right? And by the way, opportunity is a term in product management that defines an objective or actually an obstacle which stands in a way of your company reaching a specific goal. So there are no opportunities in isolation. They begin to appear only after you find out what are your goals. And by the goals, I mean your goals. It can be a metrics. You just want to like increase revenue in the product, increase retention in the product, make sure users use the product more, right? And you first define the goal like the purpose, and we are using OKRs for that, definitely. But 
there is some other like levels of goals. The OKRs is kind of high level goal. When we have a key result for those OKRs, we, we can establish like some uh, lower level goals. And then I just ask myself, what prevents us from reaching that goal? Why we are not there already, right? And in this prisma, in this view, it's much better to search for opportunities, right? So how do I search for opportunities is by, of course, investigating the customer feedback on many levels. It can be, as I mentioned, customer support requests or some questions people ask, as well as research of the audience by doing customer interviews, defining the segments of users in your product and doing interviews with, with each of those segments, like a bunch of interviews, like 10, 15 interviews. And I have a, a good framework for that. I have like a template which I use, which is a discovery interview, which allows you to understand customer needs. So it, it would be like not about your product specifically, but about the user, right? So you schedule interview with, with one of the users. Mostly, I would suggest choosing your top users, your high performers, because first of all, you might have a lot of users and it's difficult to you know choose which ones to talk to. So I suggest uh, using the most efficient and most power users, talking to them and understanding their needs. And with these interviews, it's very useful to use the jobs to be done framework. This is a framework that allows you to view all the customer needs, problems, and other things in the jobs to be done framework within this framework, which would allow you to, first of all, frame it, note it down in the correct order, understand it, and that customer may have a job that they are trying to solve with your product. And this job is not the only job they have in life. This job lives in the whole cloud of other jobs and connected to many other jobs, right? This can be a job which is in a sequence of the line. For example, for us, a user who has a job of reaching out to their audience via SMS channel, this is a job, right? So, But it has some jobs before. Like, why do they want to do that, right? What for, right? And what is the job which is about? What is the parent job to the job? So if you're trying to send a message to a, your list of customers. So what for, right? What are you trying to achieve? And then you go up and up and up. That's one way. You go one job at a time and go and, and trying to figure out why are you sending a message? Why do you need that? Or you can go, what jobs do your user have before this job, right? So before sending a message, for example, I'm telling about my example, right? What jobs might users have before? First of all, they have to compose that message, right? Or they have to have a list to send to, right? So one of the things you could work on is trying to solve other jobs, not only the one that your product is solving right now. What if you help users get a list of contacts? What if you help users to compose great messages that are selling good, right? And then already when we're talking about that, when we're just naming the job of, let's say, composing messages, there are 
plenty of kind of opportunity. They appear just right on the spot. Like what can help to write better text? Maybe we use OpenAI GPT-3, for example. I, I'm just imagining right now, right? Maybe it can help user to write for them, which would solve this traction. And then user has a ready-made copy to use. And then you just go and send a message, which is easier. So they have less friction. So to end answering this question, I must say, like, what is the main purpose of a product manager is to guide user from point A, from their current state to the state they want to be, right? By solving their jobs, problems, and in a way that benefits the company as well. So that's my mm-hmm. explanation what product management is. Thank you. And it's very insightful. Just to do like a little recap. So basically compared to classic user stories, when you're just describing the type of user and what this user need to do, going with a jobs to be done approach, you're also focusing not only what this user need to do, but also on the context of the user and also what are their desires, right? Am I right? Yes, you know that each job, it exists only within specific context, right? That's why there is important to understand how often that context appears, which will mean how often this job appears. Because as uh, IT product managers who are working on a SaaS businesses, SaaS businesses are often focused on retention. That's the main metric, right? So we are interested in customers staying with us longer, right? And we need to choose jobs which are continuous, which appear like every day or regularly, maybe every week, every month, whatever, depends on the context. And that's important to do, right? To focus on the jobs which are important to the user, focus on the jobs which are repetitive, so they repeat. Also, I must say that user might have a lot of jobs, but it is important to focus on the jobs that user is trying to solve, not necessarily with your product in any way. And that's a job which is worth chasing, right? Worth solving mm-hmm. for the user. And how deep you need to dive into interview? Because, for example, for SaaS business, you can have different segments. In each segment, you can have also some type of users that you want to focus. Yeah, it's quite complicated. And if you are an early-stage startup, what is the framework look like for the small company context? How many users I need to talk to make sure that these jobs are right thing to work on and these things and the others we can postpone? Like, what is their measure, at least to orient for myself? How I can understand, like, I need to roll up the feature for two types of users. How many interviews I need to do and what type of interviews? Yeah, so especially if you're an early stage startup or you're just beginning, your main first goal is to choose a customer segment, which is united under a single job they all have, and they all are trying to solve that job in a way. Maybe they try different ways that don't necessarily mean they use the one solution, but the solution they are trying to use has problems. So what I just described is thing you do even probably before you even decide like what you're going to do build, right? What product you're going to build. Maybe you have some concept of a product, like some app that would allow users to do something. Before diving into writing user stories and planning and like doing MVP even, I would recommend finding the audience, the potential audience, 
a potential segment that might be interesting in your solution because they have this job and they're trying to use other solutions and have a bunch of interviews with them from like what people new to customer interviewing might think is, oh, there are a lot of people, right? In order to really understand like what they want, I need like hundreds of interviews. Actually, that's not the case. You don't need hundreds of interviews. I would say it depends on your niche, but I would say you would need maybe 10, 20 interviews for this star, or at least 10 or 15 or 20, something like that. And the good signal that you have got enough interviews, it would be each new interviewee, right? Each new person you're talking to brings less and less new information and repeats more and more information as you already know from previous people you talk to. And um, when this begins, you might think that you know something right, <laughs> about this segment. And then you could start building MVPs or like first versions of your product or your customer like a value proposition, right? That's where you could try building something that you can present to users and they can take a look at, they can try out. And once you have like kind of an MVP, you could also try to talk to the same audience you talked before or similar people, if those people are unavailable for some reason, and show them your solution, right? And that's always the framework to do because you start with defining the need and then you show the solution and you can kind of validate the solution you have. Mm -hmm. Is it some kind of change over the time once companies evolve or it's still the same with some advanced things on top? I mean, it's easier when you're small, you have a goal and you can spread it across the organization of 10 people. But when it's 200 or 1,000, even if you have OKRs, but you know, you have different units, you have different teams. Inside the teams, they have their performance review also things that kind of affects the vision on OKRs of the company and how to manage these things. Good question. Again, a good habit would be like, be your own example for everybody else, right? Just do it, right? Try to do it in your team. And, you know, this might help you get more visibility across other other teams. And when you're talking to your colleagues, your stakeholders, different departments of your company, you should always ask the questions, hey, why are we doing that? Uh, what's our goal? How it should look, right? So it's like coaching. You know, when people are in coaching, you don't give solutions. You ask questions mostly if you're a coach, right? And the person you're trying to coach just tries to think Oh, really? Right. And there are some insights appearing. So I think the same approach should be when you're in a company, you want to teach other people your methods. So they should like think a little bit themselves, right? Oh, really? This works, right? Oh, oh, really? Maybe something I'm doing is, is not the correct way. Maybe I should start with finding the, the need in what I'm doing, right? Et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's great. And also, just in case we have newcomers, product managers in the beginning of their career, how they can start building this continuous delivery mindset? What do they need to do? What kind of books do they need to read? Maybe they need to follow some product leaders. 
or I feel like it would be valuable not only for early stage product manager, but in general for any founder who was not in tech or hadn't worked in tech before startups. What will be your advices? Yeah, my advice would be try to do the right things from the start. Don't fall under the bad kind of management. I mean, if you see that the approach the company is doing is kind of doesn't align with, with what I just described, right? With the user-centric approach and with outcome-based approach, you should also try to ask questions like why we're doing this feature, why we're making me doing this feature, etc. And what goal are we trying to achieve with this feature? And you should try to establish a difference between like product management, product ownership, and of course, project management, which are like three different things for me, by the way, because you were talking about newbies, right? New product managers. They are often starting with kind of product ownership responsibilities. So they are learning how to write user stories They're learning how to write requirements. What is Scrum? How does it work, right? How to deliver features. They're learning how to measure metrics such as lifetime value and other, how to run A-B tests, how to compare A-B tests, or I mean the variations, find the winner. Very practical things, which are, of course, very useful, but they don't make sense unless you understand the high-level things the purpose of what you're doing and why you're doing that. So I would recommend, as I already mentioned, a nice book by Teresa Torres, Continuous Discovery Habits. That's a book that changed my mind in particular. I was subscribed to Teresa like for years already, so this book wasn't very new to me. But still, I would recommend this book to everybody. Of course, there is like Lean Products, Playbook, Lean Startup, and other like top 10 kind of product books, which you can find online in any top 10 product books lists. But they are kind of also bring you foundational stuff, but they don't go as deep as the book that mm -hmm. I just mentioned. And they are kind of old books, by the way, right? But the processes evolve also, and they grow and improve. That's why it's important to follow people online who are on the edge of product management right now. Another person I would suggest following is Tim Herbig. It's another product manager who also talks a lot about outcome-based approaches. He's talking about impact mapping, for example, the tool that helps product managers define what to do next, basically. Teresa Torres is talking about opportunity solution trees, which is a very nice technique which allows you to map the opportunities and how they relate to each other. But also what I would suggest is you read different people. You try to build your own understanding because there are some things that, you know, each of the product managers, product coaches, they have unique or they have some things which are in common. But when you're having different views of all the product coaches, you can establish your own view. And that's really interesting because you will need to have this desire to learn and desire to understand how it works, right? And as we started our talk today by understanding the reality, right, as a main activity of a product manager, we 
are also talking about the reality of product management itself, right? How it works, what it is, right? What are we doing here? Um, yeah, what are we trying to do uh, as a product managers? What should we do? What can we do better? So that's very interesting topic and uh, very interesting profession. I would say it is related to science a little bit, right? There is a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of science, and a little bit of relationships with your users and understanding. So it's a kind of psychology a little bit, which makes it a very interesting field. And um, you just want to have the desire to dive deeper into the first principles, by the way, right? There is a term first principles, which means understanding things how they really are, right? Diving down to the main rules, like atoms or formulas of how the world operates. The same is with product management. You want to understand how things operate in here. It's great that you also mentioned the position itself. I often hear that people saying that product management position is great because you have ownership and also you're kind of CEO of your team of your own feature. But if we don't dramatize all these things, what is the worst part of your job? The worst part? Interesting question. I think the worst part could be the uncertainty as that could be, because you should embrace it. And you should understand that mostly when you're working on a new products or startups, or not even startups, but some products that you just want to improve something in life, you don't understand like, if this solution you're building is 100% correct. So there will be a lot of failures if you understand them as failures, right? And that can be bad for you because you're just launching something and it doesn't work. Right? It doesn't give you anything. But that's why we should understand that we should embrace the uncertainty. That's one of the principles of the product management. So our processes should embrace that because that's why waterfall is not always a good process, especially when you're doing something new. When you're doing something which is, has been done a lot of times previously and the solution is 100%. Sure, and this is the same situation, like building a bridge, building a house, right? Building some software or a parking lot, for example, or for ATM machine. It's kind of more or less the same. But if you are doing something new, you need to understand you always face those uncertainties and those failures. And you shouldn't treat them as failures. You should treat them as experiments. So you shouldn't like throw spaghetti at the wall, of course. That's why we try always figuring out the reality before we build solutions and throw the solutions out. Because we always can say like, hey, let's build an MVP, let's drive traffic to that MVP, see how it works. But even if it works, we will not understand why it works, right? That's why we need to try our best and embrace the failures. Awesome. It's very insightful. And also I see that we are running out of time. And I feel that in general, you have so much knowledge. And every time when we get to one of the topics, I want to go deeper and deeper. And I feel that if you would be interested, we can even later on, if we would have free time, both of us, we can also talk about opportunity solution trees, about the way how product managers should go through or went out this uncertainty environment. And unfortunately, we are running out of time. And I think like for the closing question, I would ask you the classic question that usually product manager got asked. My last question would be, should product manager 
know how to code? This is a good question. I would say not necessarily. That is not a requirement, of course. You don't need to know how to code. But having said that, I would say understanding how software works is very useful for you to be on the same level as your engineering team. Because as a product manager, you're often talking with engineers and doing that a lot of times. And you need to understand at least the basic principles, what API is, how API works, like what are microservices your software uses, how they relate to each other, and like what is webhook, etc., etc. So some basic terms. And lastly, I would advise, and it was a revelation to me, a no-code tools like bubble.io, for example, or Flutterflow. Try to use those. Try to build some kind of a side project for yourself, like small app you dreamt to build and try to build that and you will understand those principles better. Awesome. Thank you. And maybe one more last question. I save it for the end of our podcast, just in case if you would say no. But I still, I think it worth to ask, in the middle of our conversation, you mentioned that you usually use your own discovery template. Is it something that you would be able to share with our listeners? Yes, I'll find it. I mean, I have it and I can share it after our meeting. Awesome. It would be great. Thank you very much. We will put all the notes that it's yours. It's made by you. But I think it would be really useful for our listeners. And thank you very much. And thank you for joining our call today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, see you later, hopefully. For sure, for sure. Bye. Goodbye. Product Leaders Podcast is brought to you by FireArt. I was your host, Tolik. To find out more about FireArt and how we aim to build a brand that will contribute to the world with useful products to empower people and make their lives easier, visit fireart.studio. Search for Product Leaders in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you never miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at FireArt, thanks for listening.